Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit right folks Yahweh Yeshua the Messiah are calling on you good morning and welcome to another episode of the divine truth my name is pastor Paul R mullet and I will be your host for the next hour as I bring you exactly that more divine truth from the Holy Scriptures as it is as it was as it will be and as it shall become once again when our Lord and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah, returns and brings with him the sword, the fire, and the brimstone, and will smite the enemies of his race, those who oppose us, the Jews and their filthy hordes. Tonight's message is coming to you from one of my books, Two Nations Change the World. This book can be purchased from Amazon.com or you can purchase it directly from Divine Truth Ministries and bypassing the Jews and their hunger for money and get it directly from divine-truth.org and look for the storefront button on that website. I would also like to bring attention to some other issues that are needed to be discussed. Um, They were touched on yesterday by a couple of individuals uh, who are part of the EurofolkRadio.com radio network. One of the things that I would like to mention is is that there is a donate button on EurofolkRadio.com where you can make a donation to keep this uh, radio station up and running. You can also use that radio or that donate button to donate to any one of the multiple uh, pastors and ministers uh, and ministries that are a part of the EurofolkRadio.com network. Um, if you do decide to donate through Eurofolk Radio, please let them know that um, this donation is going for such and such ministry or such and such pastor. Um, It is becoming harder and harder as the Jews are cracking down more and more for us to get this message out. Um, uh, Everything that is done on EurofolkRadio.com is on a volunteer basis. So we basically need the donations from our supporters and congregation members to aid EurofolkRadio.com in keeping the biblical truth that every single one of its pastors preaches to you each and every day. Um, I know that uh, Pastor Steve has has a wonderful show called Word Study uh, or Word for Word, and he spends a lot of time and energy in that. So, folks, if you can, go to EurofolkRadio.com and press the donate button. Um, and if it is for eurofolkradio.com, let them know that. Or if it is for another ministry, do that as well. Um, another way that you can assist the ministries is by going to each individual ministry's website and either click the donate button or their store and purchase an item from them directly. Uh, as I said earlier, bypassing the Jews and their uh, need for money. I know most of the ministries that are on eurofolkradio.com offer their material at a lower cost um, because that way they don't have to uh, pay them dues when you know you go through Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or any other one of those 
quote-unquote fine establishments. Um, folks, today we will be taking a journey through time. Now, this is going to be in probably three or four week sermon series as I'm going to go through the whole book. Um, we've been spending a lot of time recently on the end of times and I know that that is something of vital importance because it looks more and more like we are coming to the end of times now. Um, but uh, I wanted to change up the pace a little bit for the next couple of weeks and, and get the backstory. Um, of how two nations changed the world and the culmination of the tribes of Israel who were dispersed throughout Europe and later into America and Canada um, and explore that foundation. Now, um, a lot of this uh, may not sit well with British Israelism, but to each their own. Um, I still think that it, it uh, is playing nice in a lot of areas, uh, and it is kind of a little different from my normal fire and brimstone sermons that I give. Um, this is more of an expl- exploratorial uh, sermon series. So, without further ado, join me as we bring two nations that change the world. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. To whom, then, will ye liken God? Or what likeness will ye compare unto him? Isaiah 40, 15, and 18. Would you like to hear an amazing story, folks? How precedented rise of English-speaking people one that dominated positions of power and influence over the modern world, or that was foretold with extreme accuracy. How's about the fact that it was told in biblical times? That's right, folks. It was told long ago. Now, history has shown that these two nations' rise to greatness began in the time of turmoil within the Protestant Reformation. The Protestant Reformation, often referred to simply as the Reformation from the Latin reformatio, lit period, restoration or renewal, was a schism from the Roman Catholic Church initiated by Martin Luther and continued by John Calvin, Heydrich Zwingli, that's spelled W-Z, I-N-G-L-I and other early Protestant reformers in the 16th century Europe. Having broken away from Rome and faced with the combined hostilities of both the continental church and the imperial Spain, then, at that particular moment in time, the most powerful nation in the world, mind you, England began to look beyond the seas for her security and her trade. Explorers were sent throughout the world during the reign of Queen Elizabeth I, circa 1558 to 1603, or 1603. My apologies. I don't like using a uh, letter where a number should be. This led to the establishment of the colonies, which later developed into what we know today as the United States of America and the nations of the British Commonwealth. Historians have quoted these countries as being revolutionary empires. They were not authoritarian tyrannies as were other countries or early empires in which every citizen was subject to domineering tyrants. Each colony had its own parliament or house of assembly to which voters sent their electoral officials or representatives. People could own land, practice their religion, and even take their government to court. Try doing that now, folks. Ain't gonna happen. While newspapers were free to criticize the authorities. Huh. 
Bet you can't do that now either. We have a hard enough time publishing our books, much less criticizing the media or the newspapers or anybody else who is anti-white in this country or, as a matter of fact, any other white nation or Aryan nation around the world. Books were freely published. Innovative ideas flourished in what became the most politically and religiously stable nations in the modern world. Huh. It's pretty weird how they're stable when they are religious-based with the religious authorities going by Yahweh's laws and commandments by keeping Yahweh in their life daily. Hint, hint, wink, wink. These new ideas led to the gradual establishment of a great and powerful company of nations. The British Empire and Commonwealth and the world's most successful republic, the red, white, and blue, the United States of America. You know, I say that freely and happily because I'm thinking of a time better than what we're living in now. Back to a time where its foundations were all scriptural, where every single person had a Bible in their home and read it daily, who attended church no matter how far that church was, men and women who prayed every morning and every evening, and even some of our greatest leaders who prayed every single day day and sometimes prayed before they made decisions that could alter the United States but I guarantee you that doesn't happen now I know it didn't happen when Obongo was in office and I highly doubt given the recent events with Mr. Trump that he is praying to Yahweh he's probably on bended knees praying to a Jew never mind we'll leave that one alone kike lovers why has history been so benevolent and economically generous to Britain and the United States you might ask or how's about why have they been blessed so favorably over the other nations that preceded them in history Folks, the answer lies in the full understanding and fulfillment of, get a load of this, biblical prophecy. That's right, folks. Huh. Seems like we were talked about in biblical times and even written about in the book of books, the best racist book in the world, the Holy Bible. The Bible created by and for one race of people. The white Adamic race, the true Israelites of the Bible, not the Khazar, Kabbalah, anti-white, pro-everything else, as long as it doesn't affect their Israel state. Them filthy, hook-nosed, Satan-worshipping Jews. Huh. Wow. So, you know, people have asked me, do I read a racist Bible? I most certainly do. And I'm pretty sure that every other pastor that's on Eurofolkradio.com reads the exact same racist Bible. And if they don't, let me know. And I'll stand corrected. But I know one that's listening right now that I know for a fact reads a racist Bible. Isn't that right there, Pastor Steve? Surprising as it sounds, both were destined, according to biblical prophecy, to become superpowers. One was to precede the other and gain world power status. Hmm. Both would dominate the international affairs in their own time. They would even be called upon to save the other nations from the forces of authoritarianism. Above everything else, they would make possible democratic and religious freedoms for the English-speaking nations. 
But you see, during the Second World War, it was the United States of America and the British Commonwealth that virtually saved the entire world from a power intent on bringing Christianity, Christianity back to the forefront. Without them and their meddling ways, our world would look a lot different than it does today. And I tell you what, brothers and sisters, many of you know that I'm a national socialist, but I'm also a Christian identist. And I tell you right now, if we wouldn't have put our nose where it did not belong, seeing how we declared war on Germany when we had no legal right to claim war on Germany, by the way, folks, it was Japan, not Germany, that attacked the United States. War was declared. It should have been declared on Japan and Japan alone. Until the time when and if Germany attacked the United States. That's something in history that a lot of people don't realize. You know, everybody's, oh, well, America, you know, we, we declared war on Germany. No, we declared war on Japan. We just used it as a front to get to Germany because they knew the Jewish powers that be knew that if we did not go over there, we would be living in a national socialist society right now, free of the hook-nosed kikes. And I would love every minute of it, and I'm sure every other one that's listening would love it as well. See, the conditions that encouraged the freedom of expression led to the Industrial Revolution and was the transition of the new manufacturing process in the period from about roughly 1760 to sometime between 1820 and 1840. And with it, the changing of the world. In the century between the end of the Napoleonic Wars, 1803 to 1815, which were a series of major global conflicts pitting the French Empire led by Napoleon I, against an array of European powers formed into various coalitions, led and financed by Great Britain, and the beginning of World War I, the 28th of July, 1914, to the 11th of November, 1918, it was the British capital and expertise that developed the economics of her colonies, basically one quarter of the world's population, folks and contributed to the development of the fledging United States and the newly independent nations in South America. After the end of World War II, 1st of September 1939 to the 8th of May 1945, America's economic prosperity and generosity through the Marshall Plan, Google it, got Europe and Japan moving again. If you don't have time to Google Marshall Plan, here it is. The Marshall Plan, an act to promote world peace and the general welfare, nat national interest, and foreign policies of the United States through economic, financial, and other measures necessary to maintain the conditions abroad in which free institutions may survive and consistent with the maintenance of the strength and stability of the United States. Sorry, I thought I was going to cry there for a minute. <laughs> no, seriously, kidding. All, all kidding, this aside, I wasn't crying. Today, with the decline of Britain and America, we are being left with a vacuum around the globe. wonder why that is. Keep our noses out of other people's business. Might actually make something in this country again. Already, the disillusion of the, of the British Empire has brought to the surface ethnic conflicts that were long held, <laughs> quote-unquote, in check, folks. <laughs> yeah. Under colonisms. Wars within the Middle East, Africa, and the Pacific are the direct result of decolonization and have made the world more unstable and complex. <sighs> Really? Man, maybe I should have gone in further and explained this a little bit more because this is just... 
First off, we never had in check any ethnic wars. As a matter of fact, the British Empire and the United States backed those who were committing the ethnic genocide of particular peoples of the world. And they were all backed and financed and forced to by the Jews because it was in the Jewish false state of Israel's best interest that these areas, you know, had this conflict. What better way to make them hook nose kikes more money than to start a war somewhere and sell arms to both sides? Oh, yeah, that's right, folks. The Jews who own the manufacturing plants of the ammunition factories are the ones who finance just about every single cotton-picking conflict that either the United States or Great Britain have been involved in since the culmination of them hook-nosed kikes coming into Great Britain. I know. Sucks hearing the divine truth, doesn't it, folks? Anyway, enough of my ranting. The American power may seem to be successfully dealing with these problems, <laughs> but the international standing of the United States of America itself is in major decline. Shocking. Long in the vanguard of progress, Britain and the United States are, increasing, are increasingly faced with complex and seemingly insoluble dilemmas at home and abroad. <laughs> oh, well, wherever the Jews go. Meanwhile, other powers in the East and the West are flexing their muscles, preparing to challenge America's superpower status. And I wonder why that is. Could it be that we have more people, more U.S. citizens? Actually, let me rephrase that. Could it be that our National Guard troops the troops who are supposed to be here defending our borders are actually overseas fighting a Jewish war because Israel has demanded it, even though we send them $10 million a day, folks, for absolutely no reason at all. We recently also gave them the stealth fighter jets. Twelve of them, I believe. So now Israel has stealth fighter technology. Thanks, America. Oh, no. Thanks, Jews, for sending it over to Israel. Thank you very much. Sorry, folks. This is turning out to be more of a comedy show than an actual sermon series. But it is what it is. The divine truth does not lie. For more than 400 years, England and the nations created by her have played a central role in the world. Together, Britain and the United States have dominated the world scene for over two centuries and during a time when crucial biblical prophecies concerning the time of the end are being fulfilled right before our eyes. Wow. I think we've been preaching about that past couple of weeks. Pretty hardcore, not only by myself, but others as well have been preaching the truth about the end times. Something that I think that all dual C-line Christian identists, Christian identists, and quote-unquote Christians need to realize. Better yet, let's rephrase that. If you're white, you're an atomite, and you have the breath of life within you, wake the heck up, folks. The time is at hand. Oh, come, Yahshua, please come. And when you do bring your sword, the thunder, the lightning, the fire, the brimstone, the angels of heaven, and smite the enemy down. Clear this world of the Jews and those who serve them. Woo! Lord, please come. Now we come to some very crucial questions. Back to the reading, by the way. Why are economic blessings and the democratic ideas so evident in the English-speaking nations? Who exactly are the British and American peoples? How do these two great and powerful nations, the United States and the nations comprising most of the former British Empire, fit into biblical prophecy? 
Are the British and American peoples ignored in the pages of your holy scriptures with less powerful nations are mentioned more specifically and more often? Is it logical to believe that Yahweh, in revealing the events that would lead to the return of Yahshua the Messiah in the last days, which we are in now, would simply overlook the United States and British Empire? Or is it possible that most people, including many students of the Holy Scriptures, have simply failed to fully understand the prophecies that accurately predicted the rise to greatness of these two nations and what will happen to them in the end times? So see, folks, even a history lesson turns into biblical prophecy of the end times. Isn't it wonderful how everything fits together? It's like pieces of a puzzle, folks. Yahweh is giving us those final pieces. It is our job as watchmen on the walls to take those pieces and put them into the puzzle that is already 98% complete i.e. we only have two or three pieces left of the puzzle. And when you get one of those pieces, you have a one in three chance of finding its location. Folks, reading through the pages of this book, it will take you on an incredible journey through ancient and modern history. You will meet peoples you may never have heard of and visit lands that you have never seen. This knowledge is a vital key component to understanding our world and age. This journey will also remind you that the great Yahweh himself, to whom, behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance, Behold, he taketh up the isle as a very little thing. Isaiah 40.15 is always faithful to his promise. That was just the introduction. <laughs> Yahweh's commitment to Abraham and his descendants. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families, white, Caucasian, Aryan, breath of life, Adamites, of the earth will be blessed. Genesis 12, 3. Excuse me, folks. I am sorry about that, but I'm dealing with a little cold today. So if I do that again, I apologize. I tried to hit my mic, but Sometimes I can't get to it fast enough. Okay, folks, to fully understand some of the Holy Scripture's most amazing and inspiring prophecies, we must first embark on a true study that begins 4,000 years ago when Yahweh began his work with a man named Abraham. Abraham was a very remarkable figure. Yahweh made astounding and prolific promises to him that actually continue to affect not only his descendants, but the world, but the whole of the world. All of his descendants. All of those descendants who make up the Caucasian or Aryan nations of the world today those countries that were once so powerful and strong and now have become so corrupt and desolate because of the Jews, the race mixing, the anti-Christian behavior, the new Babylons of this world. The story of his, of his offspring is a very, very remarkable journey as well. 
It covers the vast majority of what we know as the Old Testament. This is a story filled with great themes. The rise and fall, not only of great men and women, but of kingdoms and empires. The story of Abraham's descendants has its share of twists and turns, ups and downs, and filled with mysteries. No road is ever truly straight. There's always a bend in it somewhere. Held within the books of the Old Testament is the story of Abraham's offspring, and it describes them growing into a mighty nation the Israelite nation, and entering into a special covenant relationship with Yahweh. This comprised the 12 tribes, or better described as family units or groups. The nation then gained prominence for a time. Excuse me for one second, folks. Uh, Sorry about that. Consequently, the smaller kingdom of Judah, comprised of the two remaining tribes with a remnant of the other ten tribes, failed to learn the lesson of its northern kinsmen. Oh, wait a minute. Nope, sorry. Back up. Rewind. Yet before long, the Israelites divided into two different and competing kingdoms. When the larger of the two, which retained the name of Israel, comprised only of ten of the twelve tribes, rejected its partnership with Yahweh, it set in motion one of our racial history's greatest mysteries when its people were forcibly removed and placed in exile from our ancient homeland. Consequently, now I can get back to where I started. Consequently, the smaller kingdom of Judah comprised of the two remaining tribes with a remnant of the other ten tribes. And they failed to learn the lesson of its northern kinsmen. Its citizens likewise rejected Yahweh and were thus taken into captivity. For the most part, they, however, retained their identity and have remained visible through history as a small and rightfully so persecuted, quote-unquote, race of satanic Jews. Not all of Judah, folks. Uh, not not all of Judah. you got to remember that. But the mystery lies within the ten tribes of true Israel, whose enemies forcefully removed them from their lands. So what exactly happened to these ten tribes? The Assyrian Empire captured and exiled them from their Middle Eastern homeland in the 8th century B.C. But standard history books make no mention of them today. Huh, that's shocking. The world has only remembered them as the lost ten tribes of Israel. Yahweh, however, had entered into a covenant or a divine commitment with all twelve of these tribes. He had promised they would always be his people, and he would always be their Elohim, God or Yahweh. Can we count on him to keep his word? How is it possible if the lost ten tribes died out, supposedly, as so many underinformed persons believe or assume, or even the quote-unquote theological societies teach? You know, that's another thing. You know, I really wish Pastor Steve was on this call right now because we could spend the next half hour just discussing the theological people today who are quote-unquote Christians and know nothing about the Holy Scriptures. And what they do know is falsified, manipulated, and turned into Jewish rhetoric for the Judeo-Christian society so they can continue to send money to their pastors who buy multi-million dollar homes, ride around in expensive cars, wear $5,000 suits, probably $20,000 pair of socks, have a yacht and take a vacation every single time. 
Meanwhile, you have Pastor Eli James, Pastor Visser, Pastor Dan, Pastor Steve, Pastor Paul. Uh, I think that's all the pastors we have who struggle every single cotton-picking day to bring you the truth, the true biblical truth, all of which is backed 100%. And we struggle and may not be able to continue our ministries. But yet, Yahweh always provides for us. We always, always find a way to get you the truth, the divine truth. Yes, Pastor Steve, CI pastors are way too poor to pay attention. But you need to pay attention now. You need to hear what we are teaching and preaching you every single day of every single week of every single month of every single year. You need to hear this. We bring you this because we are called to do this not because we chose to do this certainly not because we thought we would make any money off of it but we are called we are truly called by Yahweh himself to bring to you his message we are the true Israelites and as such we are to always bring you the truth no matter the cost or the price that we have to pay. And even as Pastor Visser said on his show yesterday, even if we have to go to prison for doing it, so be it. Off to prison we go. But I guarantee you we will not stop doing what we do because we're stuck in a prison with a bunch of monkeys. I won't stop. Okay, folks. To add to this puzzle, biblical prophecy repeatedly tells us that these supposedly lost tribes are destined to appear on the world scene in a prominent role immediately after Yahshua's return, after their rescue from a, quote, trouble or time of trouble, end quote, that could dwarf their previous sufferings. The prophets of old even speak to their restoration after that time of trouble to their original homeland under the rulership of Yahshua the Messiah. Now, I want to I want to interject one part. Okay. Now, throughout this book, I, I do reference uh, the false state of Israel as being the homeland, but actually as the true state of Israel or nation of Israel. However, there are many within the CI community and, and, and my, my, myself as well. Um, but when I write these books, I write them for those who are new to CI or those who could possibly be CI. So I don't want to give them too much information off the top. Okay. Now, I'm a firm believer that the New Jerusalem is actually going to be here within the United States. Um, I, I know that there are CI pastors out there who may not believe that, um, but I, that is something I believe. Okay, And as being the divine truth, we always speak the truth, and I, I need to make sure that you understand that. What I write is for those who are new to or people you could possibly sway. So I don't want to give them too much jargon uh, that may not make sense to them or comprehend. So I use terminology and locations that they are familiar with already. But I am a firm believer that New Jerusalem will be held within the borders of what is now the United States of America. And I hope will be within the borders of the new Aryan states of America. Okay. Notice here this promise that Yahshua made to his apostles. And Jesus said unto them, 
Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me and the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Matthew 19, 28. Did Yahshua, did Yahshua mean that what he stated? If these descendants of true Israel are destined to play a pivotal future role that Yahweh has prophesied for the world, where are they now? How can we identify them from among the people, other races, of the world today? Well, quite easily, if they're, well, yeah. We'll get into that later. And why is this knowledge so important to us? As we proceed with this very real and eye-opening study, you will learn just how much Yahweh is involved in shaping crucial aspects of our world today. You cannot afford to be ignorant or blind to this incredible knowledge that I am giving you. If, mighty big word for such a small word, this information about the lost ten tribes were simply of historical and archaeological value, then it might just indeed be of interest only to those who are fascinated by and with history. But it is far more important than that, folks. It is, for lack of a better euphemism, a master key for completely understanding all biblical prophecy. It explains why so many prophecies speak of a coming restoration of all the tribes of Israel as one reunited kingdom and why those prophecies are so prominent within the pages of the Holy Scriptures. By understanding first this incredible story, you will and can learn a lot about what Yahweh expects of all who would serve him. Now, I'm talking about all whites. I'm not talking about everybody. Because we know that if you're not white, you you know, you can't, no. You will not serve. You cannot serve him, and you will not enter into the kingdom. So, yeah. That's another story for another day. May Yahweh grant you the spiritual insight to fully understand this truly amazing story. And may you heed the lessons that you are about to fully discover. Some of them may be for the very first time. So, a story of relationships and agreements. Our remarkable story begins with a series of remarkable promises that Yahweh gave to a man many thousands of years ago. Abraham. Now the Lord said unto Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all Aryan, Adamite families of the world or earth be blessed. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. As we will soon learn that within this book of Genesis, the book of creation or generation, Yahweh is always faithful to his promises. The preparation for his relationship with ancient true Israel began centuries prior to the establishment of its people, its nation, its race, or its ethnos, the white race, or the race of Adam, becoming a nation. He initiated his plans for Israel as a group of tribes or extended families when he established his relationship with Abram. Later, he changed the name of Abram, meaning exalted father, to Abraham, 
meaning father of a multitude. Reference Genesis 17, 5 for that, please. Now notice once again Yahweh's promise to him. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families, we already discussed that, of the earth be blessed. Genesis 12, 3. Judeo-Christianity would have you believe that that actually means every single cotton-picking race on the face of the earth. However, that is not what scriptures say. Uh, I know Pastor Steve has done a very excellent word-for-word Torah for us. I don't know if it's quite complete yet, but that is, uh, he he does go in Genesis rather in-depthly. I would strongly suggest that you guys purchase that from him once it's made available. What a truly magnificent commitment. With these promises, Yahweh set into motion an awe-inspiring design destined to benefit all the Aryan nations of the earth when they are fulfilled. The history and prophecies of this nation springing from Abraham are very important, not only for its own people, but for the people of all Aryan nations. Yahweh later passed these same promises on to Abraham's son Isaac and his grandson Jacob, and then subsequently on to Jacob's 12 sons, from whom the 12 tribes of Israel were created. Yahweh provided these succeeding generations more details about his promise and his plans for Israel, true Israel, and how he intended to fulfill his grand design of and for them, the Adamic people. This commitment by our Creator is the thread that links all the various parts of the Holy Scriptures together thus making them one complete unit, folks, from beginning to end. Not just, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take this book and maybe that book over there. Um, sorry, folks, you cannot pick and choose. Genesis, Revelation, everything in between. You cannot be a New Testament Christian without knowing the Old Testament. You cannot profess, I am a New Testament Christian. What? What? I don't believe in anything else. Ha <laughs> ha. Then you're not a Christian. You are a parasite. To understand Scripture, you must go from Genesis, the creation, to Revelation, the destruction. You cannot just start halfway inside of a book and go, oh, okay, I know it all. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, folks. That's why dual seed line Christian identity pastors and theology professors and, and doctors and whatever else we have or whatever titles we have cannot and will not preach to you only one small section of the Bible. If we do preach from the New Testament, we do reference the Old Testament as well. And by the way, folks, I keep using New Testament. I don't think it's a testament. I think it's a covenant, and it should have been labeled New Covenant, not New Testament. Now, the Old Testament was a testament. The quote-unquote New Testament is an actual covenant with the house of Israel, the true house of Israel. Okay? So, if we are preaching to you from Revelation, we are also giving you everything leading up to that. We are filling in the backstory for you to help you better understand exactly who you are and what your duty is as a true biblical Israelite, a child of Yahweh, 
We're not going to do what modern Judaic... I can't even... They're not pastors. They're not preachers. They're not theology professors. They're the spawn of Satan manipulating the mind of the Aryan people and subsequently pulling Yahweh's children away from their ordained job and duty and removing them from their family. We, the dual seed line Christian identity pastors, cannot, at least this is my opinion, and I'm sure the other ones will agree as well. We cannot and will not water down a message from the Holy Scriptures to appease the masses. I'm not going to say that Yahshua the Messiah died on the cross and rose four days later when it was actually three. I'm not going to say that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were false prophets like so many Judaic pastors are trying to do today. Even today, they are trying to manipulate and turn the people of Yahweh away from his word because they know that the end is coming. And the damnation of these false prophetic pastors know that their message is causing them to live in a fiery hell, a lake of molten fire. Just for them to awake the next day and start it all over again, burning in the same lake of fire, repeatedly, for the rest of their existence until Yahshua says, enough. Which he's not going to say. All right, folks, I really need to get back to the study. Once again, sorry, but you know what? I go where Yahweh tells me to go, and that's exactly where I went. You don't like it? Don't listen. Even the mission of Yahshua is a direct continuation of his promise, of Yahweh's promise. Almost 800 years after Israel disappeared or dispersed as a nation, the Apostle Paul describes the Gentiles, quote-unquote, the non-Israelites, who are without Yahshua, but really meaning and describing the Jews who claimed they were Israel. Man, everywhere you turn, we go back to the same thing. The Jews who claim they are Israel and they are not. Everywhere we turn, every page we turn, we come back to the same story, folks. Listen and listen carefully because I'm only going to say it one more time today. The Jews are not Israel. All right. That at that time, we were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Ephesians 2.12. Once again, that was Paul referencing the kikes. Paul then clarifies his meaning. Oh my, no he didn't. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of Adam. Adam. As it is now revealed unto the holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Ephesians 3, 5 through 6. And if ye be of Christ's, his race, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs of, according to the promise of Yahweh, Galatians 3.29. This means that Yahweh must graft all of his race who become his servants into the family of Abraham. But 
all that are servants of Yahweh are already members within his racial body. Wow. All that are servants of Yahweh are already members within his racial body. Hmm. Yahweh's promise to Abraham was not limited to a small and ancient people of the Middle East. It extends far into the future. And it is not limited by national or state boundaries or some invisible lines that are then drawn upon a map. From the very beginning, Yahweh designed this promise to bring blessings to all the Israelite nations. That his purpose, that is what he will accomplish. Huh. Now, why did Yahweh select Abraham? Ooh, okay, four minutes. Uh, all right, well, we'll see. So now the question is, why did Yahweh choose to be his servant, Abraham, and through him bring ancient true Israel into existence as a nation? Why did Yahweh, or what did Yahweh have in his mind, and why did he call Abraham into service at that particular moment in time? After the flood, during the time of Noah, the earth's inhabitants, once again, started to turn their backs on Yahweh. And yes, they were inhabitants other than Noah and his family, but we will take talk about that later. I'm talking about survivors. But by Abraham's time, all the peoples of the earth had, again, grown corrupt and were worshiping false deities and, and gads. Still sounds like freaking the planet today. Do you remember that Yahweh? Do you remember what Yahweh had told Noah just prior to the flood? If not, let me remind you here and now. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Genesis 6, 12 through 13. Now, I personally believe that is all of the other races at that time in that particular area. Because, folks, the flood was not worldwide. It was worldwide for what was known at that time. Yahweh spared only Noah and his, and his wife along with their three children and their wives. The reason for this is simple. Noah was a direct descendant of the race of Adam or Adam and Eve. A pure racial sea line that was needed for Yahweh to send his son Yahshua into, the redemption, or into for the redemption of the race of Adam. Then shortly after the great flood when humanity once again began to oppose the ways of Yahweh, notice how I stated this? There were still people upon the earth after the flood. The Tower of Babel was erected. Huh. Once again, more. Mm, okay. And as such became the symbol of their rebellion. Reference Genesis 11, 1 through 9. In the content, the context of this rebellion came with it the founding of the city-state, system of human governance that accompanied it. Yahweh in, initiated a new phase in his plan to lead all of his nations to worship him. He decided to select one faithful man and develop his descendants, seed line, into a group of influential nations chosen for the explicit purpose of teaching and illustrating his values and his way of life. A part of that plan involves Yahweh's desire that all nations, Aryan nations, recognize the stark difference between these conf conflicting and destructive ways of life. 
He wants every person to learn that his ways alone can consistently bring true and lasting blessings to his people. Yahweh bless until next week.